Biggie. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. Biggie. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Hot Take Hot Box. My name is Matt McSweeney, using a lot of different voice inflections early on in this podcast. I'm just messing around. Today is episode 76 of this glorious and illustrious podcast. As always, I thank you for joining me on a somewhat um, somber episode of this podcast as Bryce Harper suffered a fractured left thumb that will require surgery and will force him out for... At least six weeks is what the most recent reports have told us. We will go through the last few games of this week. We will talk about where the Phils stand. Do they are they alive? Are they you know do they even do they have any life without their MVP? Uh, how can they survive through this? And what 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 the outlook is for the long term? We'll talk about a little bit of Sixers action. The draft was this past week. Uh, Sixers got the Anthony Melton and have. That you know have been rumored and linked to a couple other moves, including the PJ Tuckers and things of that nature. And we will talk a little bit about the Stanley Cup, which is concluded uh, with the uh, Colorado Avalanche winning the Stanley Cup, ending the t- uh, Tampa Bay Lightning's uh, pursuit for a three-peat, which is you know it's remarkable that that's kind of just gone under the radar. How how. Dominant they've been over the last few years, and I know hockey never really gets its just due, but we will spend some time talking about that. So, without further ado, the Phils go down to Texas. When we last left off, the Phils were going down to Texas for a two-game series in Arlington, and it did not go well, as we talked about on here and feared, uh, you know, beforehand. Martin Perez is a good pitcher. He has been dominant all season long. He just attacks the strike zone, and the Phils had nothing for him. They get they get shut out. Uh, it, it wasn't real. It, it, the final score was seven nothing, but it wasn't that kind of game. Uh, you know, it was a three nothing game. They were in it for large portions of that of that uh, contest, and they weren't able to necessarily get any runs. They only had six hits the whole game. But like I said, it was three nothing, and they brought Familia in, and he gave up two home runs. Started to get hit around a little bit. Only went an inning in a third. It was just kind of a uh, waving of the white flag that night. The next night, they lost 4-2 to two in a game they definitely should have won, but it was starting to get a little concerning due to the fact that you hadn't seen, uh, you know, Bryce Harper makes his return in that game, but you just didn't see much life. Only five hits in that game. Wheeler didn't have his best stuff. It was like an afternoon game. Bullpen did their thing in that game, but it just was, uh, you know, three in a row. The panic alarm started to uh, ring off in all of our heads. Losing three in a row, we're starting to click back into those old ways of uh, oh boy, here, here, you know, same old fills. Uh, the negative mentality starts to kick in. You're just like, all right, well, like you know, we're going out west to you know even more west than we already are. We're going to San Diego. This is a good baseball team. They, you know. F- 15 games above 500. Uh, what what's going to happen here? You know, like uh, that, that was it was starting to generate some genuine concern. I mean, for me personally, I, I can't speak for everyone, but it, it kind of did seem palpable within the whole sort of fan base and media and whatnot that 
our winning ways and the thing that kind of carried us back into this race and into the playoff conversation was starting to slip away and maybe, you know, start to go left here. We're not playing the nationals of the world and the Marlins and the teams of the, of that ilk and that nature that now it's actually time to put it up against, you know, solid non dumpster fire franchises. So, Thursday night, the Phillies open up with a, a nice game from Ranger Suarez, which is a, like we talked about on here, it, it, you need Eflin or you need Ranger Suarez to be a key factor in this uh, run or race because it doesn't look like now with the whole Harper thing that they're going to be able to trade for another starting pitcher or the priorities are going to kind of have to switch or shift a little bit here. They're not going to have the prospects to go get these this bullpen help go get this uh, starting pitching and also get another outfielder to stop the bleeding for six to eight weeks or however long it's going to be until Bryce comes back. It's an absolutely vicious, vicious uh, voice crack right there. But Phil's go after uh, Joe Musgrove, who had a 1-6 ERA going into this game, and they're able to get six runs off of him. Uh, It seemed like the slider was getting hit off of him a lot. Home runs from Schwarber, home run from Real Muto going the other way. It was good to see these guys get after a pitcher that has, you know, been been really dominant so far this season. I mean, that was his first loss of the year. He was eight zero going into this game, and the Phils made him look like the, you know, just a regular guy. He he didn't look like that Cy Young candidate that he has looked like all season long. So, I mean, that's a hell of a win. Next night, Phils lose a one nothing game where Nola gives up the only run to his brother Austin Nola, which. Uh, I mean, that, that that was just a tough, tough game. Didn't leave that game saying, wow, the Phillies stink or, you know, whatever. The, 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 the Padres got a good start from, I believe, Mackenzie Gore, who, who went five innings. But the, the bullpen did it did its job. It, 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 they went from, you know, Chris Matt to Garcia to Rogers, who, who was, you know, Rogers is tough. Comes in lefty, throwing like high 90s. He, it just you know, and the Phils were able to work some walks, get the bases loaded. Boom, got a hit. The Schwarbs comes up and hits a uh, like sort of pop fly out the center field. That was a tough game. It, it, that was a tough pill to swallow because it was definitely right there for the taking. Winnable game. Phils were able to get guys on base, but just weren't able to bring them home all game long. Neither were the Padres. Padres had guys on base all night long. Couldn't really do it either way. So tough loss it is what it is you got to keep it moving though Saturday this is the game <sighs> a fateful game uh, so Blake Snell's on the mound against Zach Eflin ironically Eflin gives one of his better starts in recent memory and now today he's been placed on the 15 day IL I want to say DL so bad because it's just in doctrine in my brain but he's on the 15-day DL with a right knee bruise, I believe. Right or left knee bruise. Either way, the knee hurts. And it's obviously been hindering him for some time because there was talks a few weeks ago where he couldn't go long into a game because his knee was bothering him and whatnot. So hopefully we can give him some time to recover or you know just get this knee right. Because like I said, we're going to need him. We're going to need Suarez. We're going to need more than two starting pitchers to perform on a night-in and night-out basis. And it's good to see Ranger starting to pitch well, you know, the other night. We will, you know, Wheeler has been pretty solid. Uh, Nola's been pretty dominant. 
and, and you know, like we get Ranger, we get Eflin, we get one of those guys, and, and Gibby has been doing his thing. You know, he hasn't. He's kind of. He hasn't been awful. He hasn't been incredible all the time, but he's he's been very solid, and that's all you can ask for him is very solid. Blake Snell, on the other hand, he's been awful all season long. Uh, ever since he came back, I believe he had a groin injury to begin the season. He he just has not been that Cy Young candidate sort of guy that the Padres traded for. And unfortunately, he finds Bryce Harper's hand in the fourth inning of this game. Catches him up high with around a 95 to 97 mile an hour fastball. Breaks his left thumb and he will now be forced to get surgery. And will be out for an extended period of time, which is... Uh, I, I don't think the words can quantify how crushing this this is just to the 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 momentum that the Phillies were have been able to generate over these last few weeks this whole month uh, since Girardi's been fired it has just been a totally different energy within this ball club within the city for just the the feeling behind the Phils and how excited we all are and you know losing <clears throat> excuse me losing his Losing our MVP, uh, our you know our best player, our D eight, like he you know even though he's not playing the field, he has easily been our most important and best hitter. And it's just you really like as a as a guy who has a podcast, as a guy who's supposed to put these things in the words and explain my feelings and, and and whatnot. You just it's really hard for me to like. I I feel sadness. I feel anger towards Blake Snell, even though, you know, he probably didn't mean it. Uh, I feel the same anger that I felt towards John Lennon when he broke Chase Utley's hand in, in the middle of that uh, that run in 07, where we were, you know, trying to make a little bit of a, a comeback and the Phils were able to still uh, sustain themselves until Utley was able to come back towards the end of August. Hopefully, we can get into a, a little bit of a situation like that where we are still in the hunt. And we're not dead in the water by the time Bryce comes back and he can come back and make a big impact because he's not going to have to go out there and play the field. It's He's just going to still be swinging the bat. And the the positive uh, part of this is that, you know, it looks like he might be able to come back at some point this season. The Phils, the Phils have plenty of guys. That's why they went out and spent the money that they did. That's why they got the Castellanos. That's why they have the Schwarbers of the world. They still have Hoskins, Real Muto. Like they have solid, legitimate hitters, and the lineup is still it's still there. It's still a high quality lineup, in my opinion. This is a gut punch. This is th- this hurts a lot, but I don't think it's a death blow. I do not think this means that the Phillies are done. They are not dead in the water. The season is not lost. I still think that the Phillies are very, very capable of making a run. I do think they might have to go out and get someone to play right field or to provide a bat, whether that be whether that be out in right field or DHing or whatever. I, I just think the Phillies are going to need another bat to kind of supplement the production that Bryce is able to produce on a night-in-and-night-out basis. So that's that. The Phillies were, were able to manage to win that game. It, it wasn't a 
bang your chest, I'm so excited that the Phillies won sort of thing. It really, a damper was put on it with the whole Bryce Harper situation, but JT hit another home run. So that that's a uh, something that a positive note you can take from this this game specifically and this whole series is that maybe JT is starting to wake up out of this horrific slump that he's been in to begin this season. Only his fifth home run. Maybe uh, the power could be coming back a little bit. A little bit of West Coast air could be waking JT up. Uh, you're getting good good production out of uh, Munoz. So far, and since he's been called up, so that's quality, and Schwarber has been doing his thing. So maybe these other guys, while Bryce is down and out, can pick him up and maybe just keep the just pass the bat and keep this thing afloat until August or the middle of August or whatnot. There's still a whole other month until the Phils have to make a deal or you know make a trade of some sort. They're they're gonna there's gonna be options there's gonna be the ben, Benintendi's of the world if you know that's gonna be a feasible price there's gonna be some options for the Phils to to explore for what they want to do in the outfield or what they would like to do at, at these different positions and there's still plenty of time and obviously bullpen will still be another topic of conversation for the remainder of the season essentially because there's still a lot of question marks out there that would need to that just need to be answered there's a lot of guys that the Phillies give the ball to that you don't trust I mean Knable since they've moved him out of the closer closing role he's been pretty solid so that that's that's a, a positive you've gotten some good innings from Alvarado which is another positive uh, Bilotti has been doing somewhat okay. He saved his first game the other day, which uh, this Sunday game that I'm uh, discussing right now, which the Phils bounce back and win on Sunday. They take three or four from the Padres, which was huge. If you would have told me going into the series that we'd be taking three or four, hell yeah, sign me up every every day of the week. Phils just need to keep putting series together and winning games. That's all we can ask for right now, especially the one game they lost. They could have. They were right in there and could have won that game. They didn't throw that game away like they kind of have, you know, in the Diamondback series on that Sunday game and in the uh, Nationals series where the Father's Day where they threw that game away willy-nilly. It just seemed like they were never really in that game. Let's go through some of these guys who were able to produce. I mean, Schwarber, four RBIs, one homer. You know, what more can you ask from uh, Big Schwarbs? Castellanos had four hits in this game. There you go right there. Those are the two guys that are going to have to supplement the output, okay? If you're not going to trade for anyone else or if you this is going to be what the... If this is what we're left with, this is the situation that cards we are dealt. The guys we just paid this offseason are going to have to pick it up. Castellanos especially. And Schwarber's just going to have to keep hitting home runs every once in a while. Schwarber's average, you know, has not been exactly great all season long. It's finally back up to around 220, but it, it there's obviously there's room for improvement. He is not a under he's not a sub 200 hitter that he that he has been for most of the season. I have confidence that he will come back sort of towards his career averages, you know. And he's on he's on pace for over forty home runs. If he you know you know how they do that if he plays all the games and well yada yada yada. But Hoskins has 
slowed down a little bit, but there was no way he was going to be able to keep the pace up that he was on during his home stretch. And maybe coming back home will change his uh, change his feelings or change his mind a little bit. Castellanos back up to 252, which is a good sign. Stott has not been good either. He's playing every single day pretty much, and he's down to 164. But he showed a little bit of signs of life in this series uh, out west. So maybe you'll get something. And you know another guy who's been a very, very pleasant surprise so far has been Matt Veerling. Veerling has you know, been a quality quality addition, especially against lefties. Whenever, whenever the, the, the opposing team is, is throwing a lefty against us, he is a good guy to have in the lineup. And it looks like he's going to be playing a lot more, and he'll be the right fielder or center fielder on, on these nights whether it's a righty or a lefty, you know, it it just seems like he's the better option uh, on a on a night in and night out basis. I mean, Mickey Mickey Moniak was called up again, so maybe you'll see you'll see a little bit more of the Mick, and you'll see Oduble and Mickey Moniak out there during uh, right-handed pitchers and lefties. You'll probably see Veerling in there and Oduble, if I had to guess. But the Phils were able to get to you, Darvish, who's not you know no slouch. The Padres have good starting pitching from top to bottom, and the Phils were able to uh, get to them, get get to a lot a majority of these guys throughout the weekend. Phils win eight five. Like we said, big production from Schwarber, big production from Castellanos, and that's going to need to carry on going into this week. Phils have a big series here at home against the Braves. The Braves are forty two and thirty two. Phillies are thirty nine. And 35 at the moment. The Phillies are two games out of the wild card. They are chasing the St. Louis Cardinals at the moment. And they are about three games behind. Yeah, they are three games behind the Atlanta Braves. So a sweep would do a lot to uh, make up some ground pretty quickly. But let's just root for a series uh, win. Tonight it's Charlie Morton who has a 4-8-4 ERA which is... Not exactly great going up against Zach Wheeler here at home. Uh, I like our chances tonight, especially. Uh, I I don't know if the lineups have been out yet, or it looks like we're they're going Schwarber, Hoskins, Castellanos, Real Muto, Didi, Harper, or Harper. Jeez, look at that. You know, just, just kicks in my brain right there. That would be a double Herrera. The H. I saw the H and got excited. Alec Bohm, Bryson Stott. And Mickey Moniak in center field. So it'll be Oduble in right field, Mickey in center field, Castellanos DHing, and Schwarber out in left field. Braves will be going Swanson, Darno, Olsen, Austin Riley, Ozuna, some man, uh, a man that calls himself Mike Ford, a gentleman that calls himself Orlando Arcia, Adam Duvall, and Michael Harris II. So it looks like the Braves are extremely vulnerable. Uh, given this lineup, they do not have a Ronald Acuna in the lineup today because it looks like he uh, avoided a foot fracture, but he is ha- he's having some foot issues at the moment. He has not played since the 25th, so and the 25th was only a couple days ago. So it, it looks like maybe the Phils will get lucky and not have to deal with the best player on the Braves being Ronald Acuna, Ozzy Albis already out. So the Braves 100% look like they're vulnerable. They will get a Kyle Wright matchup against Ranger Suarez on Wednesday night. 
And then on Thursday, we will get Aaron Nola and Ian Anderson. So the Phillies have their three best starters going this week. Uh, I feel good. I feel confident. And uh, I am, uh, I, I, you know, obviously always going to be worried now without Harper. I just don't have that safety blanket or that, that same confidence. I'm going to need to see it to believe it right now. But as of now, I'm feeling good about the Phils. I, I do not think they are dead in the water. Let me just finish you, like finish this off with my synopsis of the Phils. I think they are in. It had this happened a couple weeks ago. Yes, I, I would say that they are dead in the water. But now they they have brought themselves. Their their head is above water. They are able to. We have been able to paddle to the surface. We are only two games out of the wild card. We still have a high, a high powered lineup. Uh, guys that make a lot of money and guys who have performed uh, for the majority of their careers. And there's a reason that some of these guys are being paid the way they're being paid. We're going to have to count on them to produce now. They don't have that safety blanket. They don't have that crutch in Bryce Harper. They don't have that MVP candidate, that MVP caliber player that's going to come up in the third spot every single night. So it's going to you know, it's gonna be on a lot of these guys like I named. It's going to be on the Hoskins. It's going to be on the Real Mutos. Castellanos, Schwarber, those guys are going to have to carry you, man. And uh, it, it pretty much comes down to that, and it ends right there. I saw Joey Gallo might be available. That guy's hitting in like the one fifth. I don't know if we need another guy who's an automatic K. Not really looking forward to that. I did want to mention that. I have that in my notes. But Phils then would go and play the Cardinals this weekend for a three-game series before having off on July 4th. And then we would... I believe have a series at home against the Nationals, so let, let let's look into that. Let's that, that's some positive vibes, positive energy to look into, and that's that. that that's that. So the Phils are alive; they are not dead. They are wounded, but they are not out of it. Let's talk some NBA. Let's talk some Sixers, some Seventy Sixers in honor of Episode Seventy Six of the Hot Take Hot Box, and as always. I want to thank you all for always joining me or listening this far into the into the episode and hearing what I have to say. I, I truly, truly do appreciate it. Sixers in the draft the other night traded the 23rd pick and Danny Green to the Memphis Grizzlies for DeAnthony Melton, who is a solid uh, bench player, role player for the Memphis Grizzlies, who made a playoff run. Went to six games against the the eventual champions. Appears to be the perfect complement next to a Maxi or James Harden sort of backcourt. Looks like he come off the bench. He can handle the ball. He can shoot. He can score. Play defense. It looks like he can do a lot of things. And he's a you know former Rocket. So that that's that pretty much that's all you need. If you were a former Rocket and you could score the three ball. Uh, or appear to have in your past at some point, then it looks like Daryl Morey will want you and will pick you up. It, it shedded some salary, cleared some cap for maybe a P.J. Tucker move, which apparently is almost a lock at this point, that the Sixers are going to sign him to a three-year, $30 million deal. And I, I like the player. I like the idea of the player. I like getting a, a P.J. Tucker but signing him to a three-year deal at 37 years old, just uh, that doesn't it does not excite me in any way. Uh, I, I'm I'm not. Uh, I I have a, a lot of trepidation 
I guess I should say, when uh, when you sit here and think about it and look into it, uh, there's got to be another way. The The Sixers were not able to pull off a move for Eric Gordon, which was a, a another rumor. They were trying to pull off a two-team, maybe a three-team, possibly throw in a Thibel or, or, or make a move in the, for some someone of that you know nature. Uh, just another sort of bench guy or a guy who could even snu- be snuck into the starting lineup. Because someone's going to need to start uh, be in the starting lineup with uh, losing Danny Green because Danny Green was starting for this team for you know uh, for, uh, down the stretch and in the playoffs and it is good to get rid of his salary. He wasn't going to be able to play for the a large portion of this upcoming season, so I do think that is a good part of the, that that deal. And I don't know if DeAnthony Melton is the end all be all, but he's going to be a guy who's going to be able to play for us and will be able to produce at some level in comparison to what Danny Green will be able to do. It's good that the team isn't going to just be throwing guys away for salary cap purposes or reasons. That's the, you know, that that that's a good thing, I think, uh, that we're not just going to be held over a barrel and say, "All right, you know, that this is you have to get rid of this guy if you want to get this guy or you you have to give us Thibel or or give a maybe pieces that you necessarily don't want to just throw away in, in some of these trades just because I look back at the Markel Fultz trade now not exactly the you know he needed to go and there was a lot of drama surrounding the, this specific move but in the end of the day you gave him away for essentially nothing you got Jonathan Simmons who after he was done with us I think was out of the NBA and couldn't even play for you in key parts of the playoffs or wasn't a guy you could even trust in any way, shape, or form. It appears Harden will be opting into his deal. He is going to be due $47 million this season via this player option. It's a no-brainer from a business standpoint on why he would accept this deal or why he would do this. Uh, the rumors are that he will take a little less or he will take a shorter term deal, two to three years, but still be getting paid around $50 million per year. That is a, a level of concern that I don't care to speak about today in June. At the end of June, I'm sure we will have plenty of podcasts after this deal is done or consummated or there's more clarity to the situation that we will spend more time on a potential James Harden uh, being here long term. I don't know how that's going to work or what version of James Harden is going to show up or, or, you know, now now you're seeing workout videos of, of the Ben Simmons-like uh, that give me Ben Simmons vibes where he's, oh, it's, it's look, he's slim. Oh, look how explosive he looks. He's working out in the gym, dude. Look, he's a basketball player working on his body. Oh, my God. How incredible is this? And then you would see videos of Ben Simmons shooting at LA Fitness, and you're like, oh, my God, look at him. He's shooting threes. This is the year. He's going to jack it up this year. Uh, you know, and it's not as bad as the Ben Simmons because at least Ben Simmons Ben Simmons didn't even shoot, but you know they are the James Harden in game six, so. James Harden kind of mailed it in for the last two games of the season, and that's the that's the last thing I I can think in my mind. That's the only thing that's on my brain at the current moment. That is the that that you, uh, until 
until I'm proven otherwise, that is the only thing I can think about him. Is just the disappointment and, and poor, poor showing that that man displayed both at home and on the road after just waking up out of, out of a sound sleep to put on a biblical, biblical performance in that game four at home, which I was there. It was truly remarkable. It looked like vintage James Harden. You can go back and listen to the podcast from when I, I did that the next day. It, it was incredible. Step backs, just going to the bucket, explosive, aggressive is the most important thing because I don't think he understands even if he's not shooting a good percentage, we still need you to shoot them shots, whether they go in or not. They hurt when they don't go in, but it's better than dribbling it out and pounding the rock, pounding the air out of the ball for 16 to 17 seconds of a shot clock and throwing it to a guy and saying, hey, there you go. Hey, Maxie, you got six seconds left. Make something happen. Our offense had no flow to it whatsoever. It was very predictable and easy to stop. And kind of, you don't really need to play hardcore defense on our team. All you need to do is double Embiid in the post. If he gets the ball when his back's turned, double team. Don't let him score. Let someone else beat you. Let him make him make decisions. And especially when you give the ball to him with eight seconds left in the shot clock and he there's not much he can do. Our team was so ISO-dependent and so just hero ball-dependent last year that it's... It can't, it can't be like that this year. And I do appreciate them trying to get some depth and trying to incorporate some other guys into this into this fold to maybe, you know, kind of open up these other guys. Maybe the, the P.J. Tuckers of the world will, you know, I, I don't know, maybe incorporate a little bit more ball movement and just kind of get on these guys to say, yo, man, this ain't going to work. Because obviously the coach isn't going to do it. That, I think I, that should be the coach's job. It should be The, the coach should be more hands-on or involved in, in stuff like this. But it just doesn't seem like he really cared. You know, I, 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 and that sounds harsh. But it just didn't, it didn't seem like he wanted to involve himself in trying to coach these guys. Or maybe get a James Harden to be more aggressive. Or... T- take the ball out of his hands and give it to Matt. Like it just, or maybe say, "Hey guys, our offense sucks. It's extremely predictable, and, and we need to change some things up." But maybe that has a lot to do with the fact that the personnel weren't there. We didn't have multiple guys that can dribble the ball. I mean, Thibel and Danny Green were a walking turnover. You know, Niang is uh, has cinder blocks for feet, so. Maybe that's what it comes down to, but I don't know how getting 37-year-old P.J. Tucker necessarily changes that. Again, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that he's going to be paid $10 million per, and the $10 million for this year would be fine by me. Maybe even for two years I can do that. Three years, he's going to be 40 years old. There ain't no way he's going to retire while he's making that kind of money. Right now, it's hard to sit here and say, yeah, that's a great idea. But I guess it, it's the price of doing business, and you got to do what you got to do when you're the Sixers, and you have to overpay some of these guys to get them to come here. I just don't know if that alone is going to push him push it over the over the top. It's not. Uh, I, let, let me say I don't know. It's, it's not going to push it over the top by itself. There will need to be some corresponding moves 
for our Sixers to make this make a little bit more sense. And that's where I am at this at with the Sixers. Kyrie re, uh, you know, opted in. So it looks like the Nets are going to be stuck together for another season at least. Or it looks like that. It, that's what it appears to be uh, as of now. It's probably going to be Bradley Beal staying or opting out and signing a five-year deal. He has no interest in winning games or you know being a part of a, a winning or organization or franchise. It just doesn't seem like that is the of the utmost importance at this immediate moment. He's going to get his money, and then he'll probably pull Ben Simmons in two or three years. But at that point, will will it be worth it to go and get a Bradley Beal in his 30s who has had some an injury history and yada, 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 and is not the MVP caliber player that you just traded for in James Harden? And that's going to be a conversation or uh, I'm sure a topic of discussion at some point when, when Bradley Beal gets tired of winning 25 30 games a season and playing with Thomas Bryant and whoever else you know Davis Bumtons and whoever else they bring in there down in DC and firing coach after coach and I guess if he keeps out there going and getting his buckets and getting his money he doesn't he wouldn't care but you can't then at the same time say damn I want to win you know it, it, that's the most important to me I, I I'll always regret it if I don't go and try and go for it and you know, be in the title game or, 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 or you know, be in that conversation. Because right now, Bradley Beal, will not, he's nowhere close to that. He's not, uh, it's not even his fault. He is a high-quality player. One of the probably top 25 players, on, uh, you know, in the NBA. But right now, he, he just, he, he's stuck in basketball purgatory. And it seems like he's okay with what's going on there. And that, that stinks. You know, it stinks for the NBA it stinks for the Sixers because we, we could use a player like him, but to each his own. It looks like Kevin Durant's going to stay, stay uh, put as well, which was a pipe dream of mine, but what are you going to do? You know, what are you going to do? That's pretty much all the NBA talk for now. The The draft was the draft. The, <clears throat> the draft was the draft. My voice my voice has been cracking a lot recently. I don't, I don't, I don't know what's going on with that. I think I might have to do some uh, some voice treatments, or I might have to just start getting somebody on this podcast with me to, uh, like you know, take the load off. Right now, I'm like Bradley Beal, you know, I'm getting my buckets. I'm trying to carry the carry the ship, but I I need another superstar to take me to the next level. And soon enough, folks, I'm working on some stuff. You will see. We are going to try and take this thing to the next level. But Stanley Cup. Stanley Cup was just ended recently. Great series. Uh, f- fucking highly, highly entertaining. Uh, I was rooting for the Bolts just because I wanted to see some history. And they were always plus money. So, uh, you know, that's always a good thing to bet. But Avalanche were tough, man. They were quick. Cale uh, McCarr is incredible. I mean, he's in, in, in his early 20s. He's a defenseman. He's like 6'4", and he can fly. He's like one of the fastest guys on the ice. Uh, Kemper was able to, you know, through a lot of shit talk uh, towards him, it seemed like. Uh, when you would watch some of the hockey shows, they'd say, well, if he gets scored on early, he kind of uh, folds a little bit. And a couple of those games, he gave up goals early and was able to bounce back and have good games. It just seemed like Tampa Bay was the older, slower team, sort of ran out of gas, uh, you know, just didn't have that, that, you know, I mean, that's probably the consequences of playing deep into June, 
for three straight seasons. You know that that's there's a, there are consequences to that, and they're older. They're the more veteran squad, but they were just older, slower. It seemed like they ran out of gas. Vazzy still did his thing. He's a great goalie, and that that's uh like the bedrock of a, of a championship franchise like that. You need guys like Vaz. You need you need a high quality goalie to get you through the playoffs, or at least a goalie that gets hot. And Vazzy is that. But shout out to the Avalanche. They got it done. So now we'll move on to a little bit of NHL free agency. So maybe we'll see the Flyers make some moves or do some things. They got a new head coach. They don't have a captain anymore. You know, there's a lot. A lot is up for grabs or. There's a, a lot of change could be on the horizon for our Philadelphia Flyers. Maybe they make a move and get a big free agent. Maybe open up some cap or something like that. Some trades. The draft will be coming up. There, there's a lot uh, in flux for the Flyers. Uh, Joel Farabee's going to be out for three to four months with a herniated disc surgery that he just got done. So that is that's a little you know upsetting. But what are you going to do? What are you going to do? So, Hot Take Hotbox, thank you for joining me. This was a quicker episode, but you know, it's it's the middle of summer. Folks, what do you want, you know? We're doing our best here. I'm going to have a, I'm gonna have a guest on. I know I keep saying that, but there will be guests to talk sports here on this podcast. We will be doing UFC 276. I don't know if that's the actual number uh, this week. 276, yes. Look at me, man. UFC expert. UFC 276, Adesanya Cannoneer, me and Ty Capone, the Shoulder Strikes MMA podcast, will be back this week, and we will have we will have a full breakdown. Uh, we did pretty good again last week with our bets. We're doing pretty good all the time now. It seems like got Adesanya Cannoneer, you got Volkanovski and Holloway running running the uh, the trilogy. You got Strickland and Alex Pereira, which is a crazy fight for some people who don't really follow the sport. Robbie Lawler, former champion, uh, Sugar the Sugar Show, Sean O'Malley, he's getting in there. Donald Cowboy Cerrone, he'll be getting in there. Uriah Hall and Andre Muniz, which is an incredible, incredible fight for a prospect and an older guy. So we got some good fights coming up this week. We will get into all of it. We'll have plenty of time to talk to you. And uh, thank you, as always, for joining me. My name, Matt McSweeney. This is the Hot Take Hotbox.